G'day there, Signets and Swanlings. 2012 Premiership player Nick Smith here. It's my pleasure, as always, to introduce a bevy of bloods, a fan podcast of the Sydney Swans Football Club, brought to you by Noddy and Steve-O, a pair of red and white tragics. So pop on the kettle and settle in as the boys has an in-depth chat about the Swans' last game, the Swans' next game, and a little bit about footy too. This is Nick Smith signing off until next week's episode. But in the meantime, remember, be good to your bloods and they'll be good to you. Welcome back to A Bevy of Bloods. I'm Noddy, back from a quick break uh, over to Fiji Tropical Paradise. And I'm joined once again by Chris. G'day, Chris. Thanks for taking over the potty for the past few weeks with Jules and Brett. Did a smashing yeah. job, mate. Yeah, thank you. It actually wasn't that hard, so I don't know what you've been complaining about. <laughs> you cheeky <laughs> monkey. I might just have to go back to Fiji, mate. Yeah, um, I could complain. <laughs> in this episode number 38, we're going to be reviewing the Swannies round nine game. So fluff up your tail feathers and settle in for a potentially biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved bloods. Last Saturday night, our Sydney Swans won against the Essendon Bombers by 58 points with a final score of 14-21-105 to 6-11-47. Okay, mate, first impressions. What do you think of that? Yeah, look, not a fantastic effort by the Bombers. In fact, it's gotten the AFL media so riled up that they, I, don't, I don't think they know what to do with Essendon anymore. So that's how bad the game was for them. I felt that it was more their failure of a team to put it together than it was us. But it was a good statement game from us, I think, in some ways. Um, we definitely bounced back from Gold Coast. Um, one of, we weren't as flat. Um, we, we came out firing. Uh, it was a bit more physical on our side. And we, uh, you know, the team stats, as we'll go through, were all really high. So all in all, great to have it, great to see it. I'm very happy for us, the Swans fans, to have what we had there. But what that actually means, we'll go through it in a bit more detail down the potty. Nice one. Yeah, it was a much better effort made, especially that first quarter. Um, at times, Essendon looked like they were literally allergic to us. Mm. Um, yeah, it was a bigger crowd than the Suns game, more vocal, more energy. Um, you know, we fed off the players and I think they fed off us. Um, you know, we were pressuring and tackling well. We won four quarters for the first time this year. So pleasing in that regard. Hey, and the bars even stayed open for us. Could not believe that they shut at halftime against the Suns. But we uh, we kept them open until the end of the game, didn't we? So yeah, it was good. It was good to get a win and bounce back. But yeah, we're going to go through um, some of the reasons why it wasn't as good as it could have been. Um, key takeaways, mate. What do you think? Yeah, massive tackle count from our side, but only thirty from the Bombers. Their intent around the ball was just not there, and ours was. Uh, Mills had an absolute scream of a game again, um, getting all the votes and the coaches uh, coaches votes there. So it just it kind of it didn't seem like there was a whole lot from their perspective at all. They weren't putting up much of a fight, um, but we were, and that was grand. So we really saw some massive tackle counts on our side, um, some changes in the way that we did things as well. So we saw Blakey taking more kickouts than Lloyd. Um, I know Lloyd's been under the pump recently by most of the Swans fans um, being him not being at his proper standard this year. So seeing Blakey take nine of the kickouts, uh, kick-ins rather, and with Lloyd only doing the two, it's showing a change in his role. And he also had four tackles. And Lloyd is not really known as a bloke who's going out there to get tackles. He's a possession guy. He's a rebound boy. 
so we see what looks like a potential change in his role and, and what he's going to add to the team. Uh, and, and of course, at the same time, what Blake is going to be adding to the team perhaps in the future. So interesting. I found that really interesting. How about yourself? Yeah, look, I think um, I think it was horse after the, the game uh, hit the nail on the head. You know, I think he said we won the contest. We got it right. And as you're saying, we're plus 26 tackles. I mean, for a team to only get 30 and for our Millsy to get 13 by the end of the game, like almost half of the opposition's total numbers is pretty damning, I think. We had plus 11 inside 50s, plus five clearances. That was pretty even throughout. Um, but it was more just that effort, you know, that consistent effort. Um, we obviously got our hands on it, had seven out of 10 of the highest disposal getters. They're all Swannies, you know, uh, Chad, Millsy, Errol, Lizard, Lloyd, Parks, Rowey, and they were all 75% in efficiency and above. Um, career highs for Mills, as we mentioned, 13 tackles, unbelievable. Heaney and Bell not far behind on five, and Rowey and Lloyd on four. Chad, 32 disposals, that's career high, and Tommy McCartan, 15 spoils. Um, and we'll, I think we'll touch on uh, Joey the Bull um, all-time records throughout. I will just say, and I know that this has been picked up by a lot of Swans fans, and it's pretty obvious when you watch it, when you're kicking 21 behinds, um, you can remove five of those because I think it was four rushed and one touched, but it depends on how you look at it. But either we had 21 behinds, I mean, that was the actual score, or we had, you know, um, 16 behinds. If we'd actually just kicked our average accuracy for goal conversion from rounds one to eight, which is 65%, the final score would have been 150 to 47. So that's that 100-point um, gap that I think most Swans fans were feeling like we left on the table. Um, obviously, there's a lot of, you know, variables there and you'd have to tinker with uh, you know, Essendon's eventual outcome in that, you know, hypothetical discussion. But ultimately, it would have been a nice percentage boost. We'd still be fifth on our wins-loss. Um, but, you know, come the end of the season, like we found last year, we just missed out on the four because we didn't, quite pump those scores when we could have. Um, so hopefully this doesn't come back to bite us in the butt. Mm -hmm. But what what did you make in general? Like let, let's talk a little bit about Essendon. We won't go into too much, but we're almost, um, you know, we're almost, we're nearing the buy and we're starting to take stock with how the, the, the competition's looking. So let's have a quick chat about how Essendon have been performing and how we've been performing to date. Yeah, I don't, I, I think... We'll go, I guess, how we're performing in, in a little bit of detail, but who we've beaten. Um, we've beaten GWS, who, who are now 15th. Um, they're misfiring, and the coach has since resigned last week. Um, we've, we beat Geelong, which was a fantastic game, you know, Buddy Stiles and everything, all the emotion that that dragged into it. And then we had what was the most horrendous loss uh, against the Bulldogs, where we were insanely flat. Um, we got lucky with North Melbourne's win. Now, we only just scraped that through. They're coming 17th. Um, we smashed the absolute uh, joke of a team that is at the moment West Coast. I, I don't mean that <laughs> in a mean way. I'm saying that they, they're in a really bad way right now. They're coming 18th. Hawthorne we beat, and again, we only beat them because we got we really pulled it together in the fourth. Uh, they're coming 13th, and then, of course, Essendon 16th. So let's look at those numbers. 15th, 7th, 17th, 18th. 13th and 16th are the teams that we've beaten. I've got a bit of a feeling and I'm concerned, are we flat track bullies? Are we the kind of team where the boys will see a team, 
that aren't exactly firing off and then just jump on them, whereas the team puts up a bit of a fight and we just absolutely collapse, like what happened with Hawthorne, which put up a fight, uh, almost took us out. North Melbourne put up a fight. We almost got taken out. Uh, the Bulldogs, that was just a bad yeah, game. I don't know, mate. Brisbane it's, and um, Gold Coast is just gonna, not the same. It's going to be interesting. And as you're saying, those three losses, um, you know, the, the Bulldogs had 26 scoring shots, South 15, they were 9-17. So really lucky not to get completely smashed. Mm-hmm. Um, Lions, I think, yeah, we, we were chatting about this before we recorded, can hold our heads high. We really... We just lost that second quarter. Otherwise, we were pretty competitive and, you know, they're coming second. So it wasn't that disappointing. But, you know, after the Suns game and just how flat we looked, that was, I, th- I thought, our worst game of the year. And then Frio comes out the next week and and beats them by 30 points up at Metricon. So I uh, – sorry, switch it. The, the yeah. Suns beat Frio by 30 yeah, points yeah. up at uh, Metricon. So I felt a little bit better about that. But, yeah, we're sort of seeing a bit of a picture that, um, you know, we've – We've only really beaten two top eight teams at the moment. Geelong, um, no, not no, can't no, even really, no, just just the one. Just I mean, long. Western Bulldogs, they're on the cusp, but we lost to them. So we've we've literally beaten one top eight team, mm-hmm. um, you know, and we've played, you know, we haven't really played that many top eight teams. So that's right. Yeah. Um, but if we if we look at Essendon's run, we won't go into as much details. But you know, they've actually had a harder run than us up until round nine. They're sitting on 16th, as we said, two wins, seven losses. Those two wins are against the middle six teams, so Adelaide 13th, Hawthorne 14th. Both those clubs are rebuilding, relatively new coaches. Um, There's seven losses, five of which have been against top eight teams. So they've lost against Geelong, Brisbane, Melbourne, Frio, and now the Swans, and uh, two against middle six teams, so Collingwood and Western Bulldogs. But with the Bulldogs sitting at ninth now, looking like they're going to pounce and make a run in the eight, you could probably consider them a top eight team now. But So when we look at how we've gone to date and how the Bombers have gone to date, they've had a harder run. We've had an easy run, but we really didn't put them away, mm-hmm. um, which is the disappointing thing, I think. Yep. Great to get no. the win, but disappointing somehow. Yeah, I, I think you've summed it up perfectly. I think at the end of the day, we just haven't been convincing with our wins like we're happy great we've got those wins we've banked out six wins that's fantastic it's it's good for our it's good for the season we needed those wins to kind of propel forward but they weren't convincing um and i and this game against the bombers just how sad it all looked and and what all the talking points are afterwards on their side yeah i I think the next few games the next five games and we'll talk about that uh, further down the line uh it's so incredibly important to actually gauge where the Swans are at at this year. Mm. Yep. So, I mean, look, we could probably go on a little bit more about that sort of stuff, just like that general reflection um, leading into the buy. But we will talk about uh, the upcoming games and then, of course, the game ahead. But we'll do that a little later on in the potty. We're going to move on to this week. We're going to smush favourite moments into the ABOB medal. So we're going to just talk about both of those things together. So next up is the A-Bob medal, which is our equivalent of the Bob Skilton medal, which is, of course, the Bevy's best bloods. And they were this week in 3-2-1 points order. Cal Mills again, uh, the Chad, Warner, and Goulden, uh, 3-2-1, mate. So kick us off with Millsy. Millsy, massive game. You'll go through the stats. He just was huge everywhere. Again, he's just finding new gears all over the place. It's one of those – we'll go through the stats – 
right now and it's just kind of everyone was blowing out with the stats so the numbers are kind of hard to determine just because you've had an enormous amount of xyz does that really mean that you've played a whole lot better than we normally would and not necessarily considering how bad the bombers were playing but mills and a few of these fellows that we've talked about were just over the top uh, fantastic so yeah the numbers there noddy i guess you can go through them um, 29 disposals. Um, I think I th- did, Mil- did Warner get 32? Yeah, yeah he got yeah. 32. So Mills was very close. Um, so number two for the Swans there. 13 tackles was just like got a huge fantasy score. It was like 156. It was out of, out of this world. Seven inside 50s, equal first with Parker. Seven clearances, which is best on ground. 31, pre- 31 pressure acts. Massive. Um, best on ground. So, um, yeah, just another game. Another game where he steps up. He had a relatively quiet game uh, against the Suns, um, you know, by his standards. Mm-hmm. But I actually think I was going back through that because um, obviously I, I I watched both games, the Lions and the Suns, delayed because the Wi-Fi situation in Fiji wasn't great. Um, but uh, I noticed that Tuke Miller and, and Cal Mills were, were basically both taken out of the game. Like these guys mm. rack up the ball. Um, and I think they've sort of, to an extent, um, nullified each other that game. So that sort of made sense to me once I went through the numbers. But anyway, in this game against the, the Bombers, he was just everywhere. And he was just so hard at it. Horse, Horse also acknowledged in the, uh, the, confer- the press conference afterwards that when, when it's your leader who's, who's setting the um, you know, that sort of just it spreads onto the other players and, and you could see it was just a, a much more concerted effort um, with the pressure and the tackling and, and really Cal Mills was largely to thank for that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, it was from the very beginning, the amount of pressure, um, his intent around the ball, that, that all just gelled that team together from the very beginning. We saw it while we were at the game. You could feel it. Uh, and it just propelled the team to be playing the way that they play, which is a great bounce back game against a really flat uh, game week at the week before against Gold Coast. So, yeah, Mills doing it not only on the stats sheet, but also with just being a captain, being around it, getting the team propelled forward. Yeah, unreal. Um, all right, mate, Chad, uh, he is looking so good, isn't he? Just like, just keeps getting better. It's it's concerning because now the AFL knows about him. Uh, they're all they're all worked it out. They're all worked out that this kid is very 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 good. He shining lights uh, in those early few games last year when we were on a hot run that was surprised everyone with our young crew, um, and he's just getting better week in week out. He's polling very high most weeks uh, in the ABOB, and I'm assuming the same in all the other um, trackers. And it's just, he seems to be just finding some extra lines to make his impact known. So, yeah, the Chad doing it all. And he's getting himself further and further up in this Bob's and in this A Bob medal uh, rank. And he's polling consistently now. So, huge, huge stuff by the Chad. So good, mate. Like 32 disposals, career high to date. Three tackles, six inside 50s, equal second with Gordon. 12 score involvements, five clearances. Um, He's just got that pace out of the pack. Um, he's, he's clean. Uh, he's sharp. You know, obviously his tackle numbers were down, but, I mean, he, maybe the role was switched. I mean, if Mills is just, like, that, that much on fire with tackling, mm. um, you know, and then Rowie, I think, was helping out as well, you know, that that actually allowed Chad to get his hands more on the ball. I mean, look, 32 disposals, that's huge. I, I think he got, like, 
25 or something a couple of weeks ago and that was his um highest to date um but 32 that's like proper like leather poison i'm an i'm a i'm a, i'm your star mid sort of numbers right yeah, yeah for sure that's 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 what the numbers look like for uh the the fellow that gets the brown low at the end of the year that's that's the kind of numbers you expect him to see on a regular basis so albeit against the competition the bombers but yeah the chad absolutely looking beautiful yeah and we'll talk about um, a pretty big point that's come out in the last 24 hours um, later on about Dusty Martin, um, but how we think that, you know, we've got we've got an absolute ripper already here in front of us and, and the chat is just going from strength to strength week to week. So anyway, um, Errol Goulden, my goodness, he, uh, some of his kicking was just, his field kicking, I just every, you know, we were like, so we're at the game and, you know, he's, he's doing, he had a couple of good moments with, with Hickey. Um, some, but his just field kicking is just so exquisite. It's kind of hard to like put into words. It's just, you know, he's like, it's not every time. Yeah. Every now and then he gets a clanger, but when he nails it, you can just see it. It's, it's just, it's poetry because he, he know he, he assesses the kick within like a second and he just, nails it he just like the the that one kick i'm talking about in particular was on on the on our side of the ground mm. on the o'reilly side i think he kicked to papley was it yeah well, down the line it was just so good it was right in front of us i was like oh man i had to pick my jaw up off the ground anyway <laughs> what do you think of his game mate yeah mate look steve-o's shrine is paying absolute dividends continually <laughs> so keep you know doing whatever you do steve-o on your side mate because he's got 26 disposals 20 of them kicks so using yep. his weapon at its absolute optimum um seven marks six inside 50s and 500 meters gained um, so he is just really going well that shift i don't know if it's necessarily a shift or whether he's just playing a slightly different role or managed to get further up the ground but that that wing position that is playing is maybe his position for the future and it's not just a hard runner is uh, his style of game it's just that quality of kick if you give him some space and you get some people in a lead He's going to nail it most of the time. He did have one shot a kick, but he made it up across the board. So, yeah, grand. Loved Gordon. So good. I mean, I think this game, like typically when there's a big win, you know, you could squeeze that 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 one point could could be probably two or three players. But so in terms of honourable mentions, we had a couple, didn't we? We've we've got Tommy McCartan, Parker, Papley, and Blakey. They all played very well. Do you want to um, chat about? Tommy and, and Parks there, mate? Yeah, I, I don't want to go over the stats too much. I just want to kind of show what was the intent um, because the, the numbers for everyone were huge. But Tommy McCartan's big number, 17 uh, one percenters, like huge. The second place was his brother with six. Tommy had 17. That's just being everywhere, spoils, you know, uh, tap-ons, um, uh yeah, punches, doing everything you could just to you know, play his role. He's getting better and better and better and better every single week. He's moving into an elite status there in the back if he's not already. Love it. Um, Parker, uh, 23 disposals, 82% efficiency, which is fantastic considering the kind of role that he plays. 538 metres gain, second on ground. 
um, and knock himself a goal while he was at it. And what we liked the most, it was he was getting involved. He was getting in the face of Shields, giving him a bit of a, a taunt um, that the whole AFL media is just flipped out about. So <laughs> it's just there's nothing to it. The boys were just giving it to the competition. Uh, Shields could have done something. Someone else could have done something. They didn't. The talk is, you know, Parker better not back down from from a contest. When have you ever seen him back down from a contest? So everyone just calm down, leave it on the field. We move on to the next week. Yeah, Luke, uh, Mister Contest Parker, with the uh, the the shoulder shuffle there. I thought it was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> look, you know, and Shield has been. Yeah, a lot of people have spoken about. I mean, it's not the first time in the news that you know people have said you know she'll could be a little bit harder at it mm. um but i mean I, th- I thought they knew what they were getting from the, from the giants but you know they the giants were you know with that stellar list they uh you know not giving up players um that they wanted um so anyone that leaves the giants there's, there's a reason for it and that's probably his uh, big deficiency but yeah look i caroline wilson i think it was today or yesterday came out saying it was just like really poor form but I don't, I don't really know where her head's at. I mean, just because I think what happened is it was caught on on camera. I mean, there must be there there is like even at the ground, there's there's a lot of sledging that happens. Oh, um, it's all, yeah. It, yeah, it's all done in, in in pretty good. Well, you can't say good faith, but um, it's all it's, part of the game. I think um, we, we we've played contact sports. It's it, you you say what you say, you do what you do, and you leave it on the ground. You move on. That's just what it is. I mean. I don't know what Kara's on about. Like her, her boy, she's a big a Richmond fan. Tom Lynch elbowed a guy in the head. He came off bleeding. Like nothing to be said about that. Yet you're going to talk about uh, Parker because he's given a bit of a sledge. Come on, just calm down, calm down, Caro. Like I, I genuinely don't think that she's 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 a decent journalist. But that was just just stay out of this one. It's just silly. Yeah, and uh, obviously we'll, we'll chat about the, the game next week against the Blues, but they've got a pretty big midfield unit, so, you know, Park's going to have to step up because they're, they're probably going to come at him um, just because that's kind of what happens. But anyway, Tommy Tommy Papley and Lizard also had great games, and pa- Papley probably was, for me, the one that could have almost got that one point there um, yeah. with or instead of Goulden, but 13 score involvements, best on ground, 21 disposals, two goals, three behinds, you know, he's still getting it, finding his form, but nine centre bounce attendances. So um, really used as that sort of in- injection of, of dynamic movement from the square, um, obviously able to go forward and kick, but he's just, he's looking like, you know, after two weeks back, he's looking like, you know, the, the Tommy Papa that we know and love. Um in terms of Lizard, we touched on him earlier. He's um, had had more kick-ins than than Lloydy. Twenty-six disposals in the end, twenty-one of which were kicks. So him and Gordon, just with that, those those beautiful left pegs, eighty-five percent efficiency for for Lizard there. Um, most meters gained on the ground, five hundred and sixty-two. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably it. In terms of favorite moments, we'll just squeeze him in here, mate, mm. um, or just talking points. Um, two rucks. I thought it worked well. I, I loved it. It looked really grand. I think that's what most of us were expecting to see once Hickey came in. We we're not going to hold back Hickey just because Laddams was doing a good job. Like Hickey has been an absolute savior for us in the form of like another Jesus, if you'd think that. Um, he's been incredible. And you look at the numbers uh, of the amount of hitouts uh, and contests. So 
the Laddams and Hickey combined together for what was that 24 hit out wins over 68 contests. So, you know, pretty good percentages there, averaging of about 35% for between the two of them. And Draper only won the 16 of the 45. So all up, we had the majority of the run in the hitouts, uh, winning them eventually. Uh, but it just looks like that's a good position for us to be in. I think Hickey had um, a couple shots at goal. I know Laddams had a couple shots at goal. Um, it seemed like we were totally in control of the center, albeit against the Bombers, but it looked like the combination was working pretty well. So I don't know whether that's necessarily going to be what we're going to be looking at every single week, depending on the competition. But, um, you know, if you're a great player, you try to find a spot to make you fit. And it looks like they found a way to make those two fit because uh, Hickey, we know what he's been doing. He's been consistent since he's come over. Um, Laddams uh, has really filled in that spot perfectly uh, while Hickey's been away. So, yeah, love to see them both out there. That'd be that'd be fantastic. Just going to your point, I think that this ties into the other moves that they made. They brought in, um, well, you know, we had those extra smalls. So Bell and Wicks mm-hmm. uh, provided pretty good pressure, I thought, kicked a couple of goals themselves. And, and so I think that if you're going to have that many tools in the team, and really we're talking like Paddy, Tommy, um, Tall Jesus, the lad, and then you go forward and we've got, you know, um, Buddy and McDonald. Um, I don't think I'm missing anyone there, right? Because Hayden... Hayden and Amadi were still um, in the resis. But, yeah, so I think we're trying to get that balance. And certainly if we come up against teams that that regularly play two rucks, it just makes sense to also play two rucks, I think. Because you you see, you just shouted out there, like when you've got two key rucks that are chopping in and out, they can both kick in their own right. It's, it's, it's a win-win because, you know, it's another attacking threat, but it also totally drains... Um, the key ruck, like so, their 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 um, chop out ruck, Brian. He, he's he's young, Nick Brian. He's um mm-hmm. he's going to probably be a star in the future, but at the moment he's you know largely just um, supporting. So it's hard to say that they've got two. But but Laddams and Hickey are, are two starting key rucks. Um, obviously very good around the ball themselves. I think we were surprised hey at, um, at the at the game hey because we were. We were, I guess, we were thinking that Hickey would start, but it was Laddam mostly, was. Um, and then Hickey, uh, Laddam in the middle, and then Laddam's in the middle, and then Hickey forward. So, um, yeah, that was kind of interest, interesting to see. But um, how about Buddy? So, totally selfless um, around goals, just setting up people. You know, he kicked two four in the end, I think. But yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a. Uh, it was it was like he was toying with them for a while there, at least in the first half. He, he was up and about, and I, I kind of I think he sensed as well that he was able to just grab a bag today. He he saw the competition, he saw that the way they were moving, the speed that they were going, and he was like, "I'm on fire here. I'm just going to go at it." He was getting around the ball like a small forward or a rover. We were joking amongst us that maybe he's going to do the next 10 years uh, as a rover because the way that he was moving so fluidly and so quickly around the ground, it was pretty cool. The score sheet, unfortunately, two and four, and he gave uh, one or two away. But, hey, Buddy's Buddy's doing what Buddy does. He looks fantastic. His body looks amazing. Yeah. It's coming ninth in the Coleman, um, 21 goals at the moment. Um, Left a couple out there, but, you know, that's – you don't get to a thousand without kicking seven hundred behinds, do you? So, 
Lance Buddy Franklin, and we wouldn't have it any other way. Um, we'll just uh, come full circle there, mate. Coaches votes. So we're pretty accurate here. Cow got 10, Chad got eight, uh, Tommy Papley got five. Uh, we went with Errol instead, but he got four. And then it was Parks on two and Tommy McCartan one. Um, I think the AFL saw it pretty similarly. I think they had Buddy up there as well. Um, did you have any other favourite moments you want to shout out before we move on to Hot Topics, mate? Yeah, I wanted to say that with with Logan being in, on the ground at the same time as Buddy, you know, he's getting this apprenticeship that you, you can't buy. Like that's it's the greatest apprenticeship you could ever imagine having, and that's maybe why he's so keen to stick around while Buddy's here, and, and that's why I've got a strong opinion that Buddy's probably going to sign on for another two um, on the back of this just to kind of mould this, this young um, jumbo jet uh, mm-hmm. into what he can potentially be but also logan was gave away a goal like this is a kid who hasn't had that many goals um who is fiercely competitive and um, who's got buddy and some other fiercely competitive fellows around who's got some people trying to chop up his job in, in you know mclean and and amati but he was giving away goals as well and it just tells me that he's got an excellent mindset for what is the what his future is which is I don't have to score goals now. My job is somewhat safe. I need to play my role. I need to learn and get through the, the games and do everything I can to help the team win. It's not about personal stats. It just says a lot about the young group that we've got coming through. I think they're in a very healthy spot, and Logan is a big part of that. Yep. Um, uh, we'll just say Tommy McCartan's contest with Cordwell there. Totally fine, and we'll, talk, we'll chat about Rowie later. But, um, yeah, I just thought that was a just a brilliant piece of um, individual um, courage. Um, wonderful contest. Obviously, um, Caldwell came off second best, but it, it, we just, it's just the McCartan brothers. They, they are a particular type of human, aren't they? They just are so hard at it and so purely committed to the contest. It's um it's kind of a thing of beauty, isn't it? But um yeah yeah, it, eyes for the ball, and I'm glad that nothing came of it because McCartan had purely eyes for the ball, and Coldwell was just a hard nut running back with it, and he just came off second best. But yeah, I think that's that, that was a fair assumption. No no need for any MRO visits for old Tommy McCartan. Yep, um, Heaney uh, another quiet game, but played his role, had a couple of nice little touches. That 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 tap on to Buddy, I thought that was nice and. Nice and Heaney-like, and I think he kicked a goal in the end or so. But, um, yeah, it's good to know that we're, we're ticking over the Ws and a player like Heaney is not having to do it every week. You know, you can't, you can't put too, too much pressure on a player like that who's, um, you know, he's going to come in and out of form. He's only human after all. But, yeah, no, it was, it was pleasing overall, I think, in that regard. Um, all right, I think we're up to hot topics, mate. So um, how do we pull up? What changes will we make? We didn't have a VFL game. We had a scratch match. Um, but, yeah, we're just going to have a rolling chat about all of these things. Kick us off with Joey, mate. I know you made a very beautiful video. I actually cried when I saw that video. I thought it was very touching. Um, but, yeah, fill us in, mate. Yeah, practically teared up myself when I was making it. That uh, <laughs> Joey, officially number one contested possessions and clearances uh, in the AFL of all time. That It's an incredible feat by a guy. I think it was brought up with Horse um, in the post-game uh, wrap-up, and 
he effectively is like Joey doesn't care. Like he's not going to make a big big deal out of it. He's not going to do a lap of the ground or anything. He's just going to move on to next game and just continue on um, with his career. So he's a selfless player. He's just a fantastic guy, to have, an absolute clubman and an absolute bull. So Joey, the, the man, contested possessions, clearances, the title belongs to him. Come at him. Yeah, and I just think, uh, again, him doing what he knows best feels feels better for me as a fan yeah. sitting watching the game. Like I know, I know we've got all these up and comers, and that you know, and Cal is just knocking it out of the park. But as is Chad, uh, and really good support from you know the likes of Rowie, Gordon, obviously um, Florent bouncing around. Juzzy, I guess Juzzy had a bit of a quiet game by his standards, but um, yeah, but just uh, something about Joey there, um, while he's still fit and able to have the the effect that he he can have. Um, yeah, I say roll on with that. Uh, plus, I want him to pump up some of those stats so he can get a bit of a lead on those other players. <laughs> bit of a buffer. Look, yeah. we know now, moving on to MRO, uh, Rowbottom uh, copped uh, a week for the bump. The Swans uh, contested, uh, but they they didn't win. Um, the AFL deemed that he ran past the ball with the intent and he got hit, him, hit, hit your man uh, Merritt in the head. So he's sitting a week out. With the week out, do you think that... Um, Joey falls into the middle just naturally, or do we fill that spot up with someone else? Um, yeah, I think he'll stay in the mix there. I think probably if there's nothing else wrong with him, I, I see Campbell coming back in because he he wasn't really doing too much wrong. I mean, he maybe had um, a quiet past few few weeks before he sat out because he was managed last week, right? Oh, sorry, against the Bombers. So I, I guess that he'll be coming in there unless they want to go um, – you know, like for like, but there's not really your rowy players are already pretty much in there, aren't they? It's like they're already, they're all kind of already there. You kind of Holly, the play yeah. around, yeah. Unless they want to maybe bring Dill Stevens back in, or Ryan Clark's been thereabouts the past mm-hmm. couple of weeks, and I, we had a little bit of a bit of a moment with Ryan Clark. Did well. I mean, I don't know if he knows that. <laughs> well, <laughs> when you say a moment, he was doing laps of the ground, and us in our drunken state were screaming. Uh, positive things and reinforcement to him uh, from the sidelines. So yeah. he, he was getting around and we're going, God, keep it up, Clark. We'll see you soon, mate. You're the best and doing our stuff. So I don't know whether he appreciated it, uh, <laughs> but I hope that he knows that it comes from a place of love. Uh, yeah, Absolutely, though. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we, we were basically the only people left in the stadium apart from uh, another drunk bunch of Bombers fans that were like kind of directly above us, yeah. and their their medical sub Lloyd, I believe, or Lord Lord, um, he was doing laps as well. So they were drunk screaming at Lord, and we were drunk screaming at <laughs> at Clark, and it was like battles of the medical sub. It was, and then we were just we were shoot out at the staff. We're just like, get out of here, you idiots! Yeah, they, they <laughs> asked us to move on. So, um, look, just wrapping this all up, I think I would like, considering how big. The Blues are, um, and considering how fantastic that contested ball that they have, I would love to see Joey actually do a uh, cameo stint uh, in Rowbottom's uh, absent in the mids. I would love to see that. I don't know whether it's necessarily going to happen, whether we're going to stick to our guns, but this is the kind of moment that I thought we would be using Joey in. He's going to come in against the Ds, against uh, Brisbane, against Carlton, where it's necessary to have a big body like him uh, and, and you know so much success that he's had. In the middle, we would take that 
let's see what the intention is when the team gets announced and when we watch the game. But I'm hoping that's what happens. Mm. Yeah, we'll have to say. I mean, I mean, they've got a pretty big midfield. Um, anyway, anyway, we'll chat about them in a, in a moment. We've got a few more hot topics here, mate. Um, before we go on to Dusty, which is a big one, I just wanted to say I, I met a very um, interesting Swans fan at a first birthday party on the morning <clears throat> of the game. It was a gent by the name of Craig Roberts, and he's um, been really active in in the Maroubra Saints uh, over the years. He's, he's coached juniors there. His son played footy there, and his son actually played with Errol Goulden um, from a very young age, like the age of six, like after Auskick, and uh, all the parents knew for, even from that age that that Errol was going to go pro, that he was just an absolute gun. But uh, what I what I was really enjoying the conversation with Craig about was the um, he, he's a bit like the O'Reilly rabble. He really likes getting into the game and and supporting and, and singing, and he, he sits in Bay 30, and he's trying to get this um, – a group uh, around him or the whole Bay ideally um, and call them the Bay 30 singers and and really get more uh, songs um, sung instead of the, the typical chants and, and stuff like that. And I mentioned I'd, I'd spent a bit of time in Japan and, and gone to baseball games and, and, and the supporters there is just next level. They've got a basically a, a different song for every single player. Admittedly, there's only like, what is it, 11? Is it yeah. nine or so on the on the field? So there's a lot more players in, in Aussie rules. You'd have to have more songs. But I really loved where his head was at. Um, so I said, you know, I gave a shout out to the podcast and said, you know, follow us on Facebook. And once he um, tees up those songs to let us know in the um, in, in the O'Reilly and uh, we'll get behind him and start singing these uh, songs with the Bay 30 Singers. So, yeah, cheers, Craig. Uh, it was really nice chatting with you, mate. And um, all the best. We're looking forward to it, mate. I look forward to that because for the listeners that don't know, both Noddy and I are half musos, uh, buddy musicians maybe. So yeah, we would we love to sing uh, for our own right and we think we're good uh, after a few drinks and some karaoke. So <laughs> I, I, I reckon that would be a mad idea. Let's get out there, start singing some songs together, um, get the crowd, get into it. Yeah, it sounded like a because he was talking about having been to Canberra and uh, to a folk festival and there, there were some shanty singers there and he really liked the sound of it and thought it could work well. And then he found that there's um, a club, I think, or a regular group that, that sing in Redfern. It might even be out of that pub on the corner there, near not far from the Arcadia. But anyway, this is all rel- um, makes some sense to Sydney siders, so we won't go into details. But, yeah, basically he's considering reaching out to the Redfern shanty um, society or whatever it is, and seeing if they wouldn't mind doing a collaboration. But I, I'm 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 really up for that. Um, to be honest, I, I you think about those big test matches in rugby. You know, when there's a bit of a lull in play, and and the English sing, you know, sweet low, um, sorry, swing low, sweet chariot, and the Irish sing, you know, fields of Athen Rye, and you know, we I guess we used to sing waltzing Matilda, like in a rugby union sense. But um, yeah, it'd be cool to have something else um, up our sleeve. Um, primarily to, you know, so the team's struggling like against the Suns, the crowd can sing a song to help spur on the players and then they can feed off that. And I thought it was a great idea. And, yeah, I'm really hopeful that the Bay 30 singers can take off. Let's see how we go. Let's get that, get that uh, the whole thing moving. Let's go, Craig. That's it, mate. Um, uh, Dusty may be co- coming to Sydney. It was all a little bit of a rumour and then it was confirmed AFL Dimmer's basically given given him his blessing, the godfather Dimmer. Um, we have been 
really hashing this out on our what on our uh, WhatsApp group, haven't we? Um, <laughs> we uh, we've sent it to the Brains Trust, the Bevy, and we're like, is this a good idea? Is this a bad idea? And we've had hundreds and hundreds of comments from different Swans fans on the different um, groups on the socials. Um, and, and really, it's yes, it's a good idea. No, it's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the other thing is he could be going to the Giants um, given the situation that, that they're in at the moment. And I just also saw an article that said that um, they're, they're really str- that after the 10 or so years um, the 200 million that the AFL put into the Giants, that AFL participate, sorry, Aussie Rules participation in Western Sydney is dead last. It's like <clears throat> I don't know, it was something like 11 percent or something, and this is after rugby league about 30 and soccer 45 or whatever the numbers were. So, um, yeah, mate, dusty to the Swans. How do you feel uh, about that? I, don't, I look. I asked the question of the community through Twitter and. Um, Zane came out and mentioned it could be like a possible thing. It could be like Lockett, where it's just trying to take, or no, rather, uh, he's trying to get out of that media bubble that is Victoria and move himself back to Sydney. So he'd like spent Canada some time and, and Franklin, I guess, like too. Franklin and Lockett. And so maybe that's the kind of thing he's looking at doing, which is fantastic. Like, good on him. Like, that's what he wants. He's not the kind of guy that's going to do a lot of media. So He's not someone you can kind of build a franchise or your marketing around like a Franklin could. So Franklin's been fantastic in the media. Most of the advertisements have got him in it for marketing. He's a very marketable player. Dusty does his work on the pitch. He doesn't do his work off the pitch. He's not going to do any um, very few advertisements, although he's done a couple. He doesn't do his media uh, interviews. He, He doesn't like it. So, uh, look, fine, but if GW, just say it's either one of us. Um, as in, when I say either one of us, I, I mean GWS or Sydney. I struggle to think of where he would sit, considering that in the future we're going to be having to pay some of these fantastic young players that we've been talking about and praising this entire last two years a fair bit more money in the next two or three years. And I don't know whether we have the luxury of being able to afford some of those players as well as a Dusty down the line and potentially another couple of years of Buddy. So it's it's kind of – I know the numbers are kind of uh, – and salaries are more down your route there. Noddy, do you have any opinion on that part? Oh, I'm just going off what you – I think you said you you heard that um, Dusty's salary might have been up around that $1.4 or something and mm. he's, he's got another two contracted years, um, which doesn't mean much these days, so long as you can – as the club's – reach an agreement but um yeah look i i i thought initially you know if it's about getting out of the bubble and you know maybe having a crack at another flag like would he consider reducing i think most fans have said there's no way that dusty would do that but you you never know my point was if we could take buddy's current million or just over and then divvy that up between him dusty and buddy then i'd probably take dusty in a heartbeat but it really just comes down to your point that I we don't, I don't think we want to overspend because we've got you know the AFL's best young core coming through as recognised by pretty much everyone, and you know the bigger big big names that we have, the more big names that we have, um, the less likely we are to hold on to this this amazing developing core. Um, but I mean, look, I you know I think most Swans fans would salivate at the idea of of Dusty hitting Buddy Lace out. Uh, over the next couple of years, and <laughs> look, I think it was the age. Like Steve O, Steve O had a, a couple of couple of really good points on this, and 
you know, that that he's already 31, his best footy's behind him. Um, you know, Richmond would force a really, um, you know, um, it wouldn't be a great trade, um, you know. So, and I think he also said that, yeah, there's some of those points you said that he's not, it, it, like, culturally, is he going to fit into the Bloods? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I, I think that the Bloods have a, a really good way of, of making players fit in to the, the culture just seamlessly anyway. So um, I, I put the question to our group saying, would you prefer jo- Jordan Degoe over Dustin Martin? And I think most of us said yes for the fact that he was younger and his best foot is ahead. So um, well, Steve-O uh, said, uh, said, sorry, I just lastly, Steve-O said that Dusty you know, if you wanted to trade for him, if we could fit him into the salary cap, all that considered, that we just give, um, suggest giving that that first round pick that we got from Adelaide via Melbourne for Jordan Dawson. I said, you think Jordan Dawson is better than Dusty? And he said, well, yeah, it's all ahead of him. It really is. He was very strong mm-hmm. at that point. So what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I feel the same. I think that Dawson was is a better player now than Dusty. I think Dusty is totally impactful there's no doubt about that but i think dawson just has like you know elite status for the next five years ahead of him um i'm not a big fan of dugoe just not only just is he not performing on the ground he off the ground off the pitch he's got a whole world of troubles uh that just he's just a loose guy it's just not marketable it's not it's not a good show it's not what you want to have in a market like sydney where we're trying to grow the game in, in a positive way if you're you don't want any of your, your your boys in the media for the wrong reason um we leave that normally to the nrl uh, as sydney siders so that's a couple of the reasons why i'm not a big fan of of doing them and uh, look i'm not a i don't actually think that there's much to this and i'm hoping that i get pulled up wrong uh, i don't know but I think it's like what's happened so far. He's been sighted around Sydney. He, he kind of grew up around here, around Camden Way, about my way on Camtown. And Peggy O'Neill uh, commented that she'd spoken to him about his future. She didn't say anything else. And Peggy O'Neill is the president of the Richmond Club. Mm. That's all she says. Because oh yeah, we've spoken about his future. That doesn't mean anything. And then Harwick came up today um, and just mentions like, yeah, look, you know, whatever Dusty wants to do with his future is up to him. That's just a coach being nice to a player that's gone through a lot of personal things lately. That's the, what you want to hear from a coach about one of their better players and you know, effectively a mate that's you know won a few premierships together so i actually don't think there's a whole lot in it i may be proven wrong gws signs him next week and i'm an yeah. idiot but yeah. i actually I, it wouldn't surprise me if he just signs him with the tigers next year and all of this is just a slow news day well he's, he's at the tigers he's got another two years but i just think that yeah it could be it could be that slow news day but it could be with that report that damning report about the uh, how badly the the giants have gone um, you know, in the in those in the heartland of rugby league and and soccer, um, and and with Leon Cameron, you know, resigning and, and Jeremy Cameron, you know, off at the Cats. I know that was last year, but it's sort of hard to. It's sort of I think they're at a bit of a crossroads, Giants, and that this would be the kind of thing that would help a really bad report, um, sort of be not as bad as as it could be. You know, Gil McLaughlin's going to stand by his decision to have you know expanded to these non-traditional markets or in the in you know in these non-traditional markets like mm. sydney and brisbane and in in the giants and the and the suns but you know um i think that a player like dusty might help 
gloss over some of the failures. But, um, I mean, it's pretty early to be talking about um, all of this stuff. So I agree with you that it could just be a slow news day. But I also took it as pretty prophetic that, you know, if Dimmer's going to, if they're going to release it on the, like, the AFL app, that it's pro- there's probably some some clout behind it and that it maybe it will go ahead. So uh, yeah. I, 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 yeah. it's like this: no, no smoke without flame. I, I get it. I, yeah. I, yeah. I believe it. I do. I think just when it comes down to the nuts and bolts, when it comes down to brass tacks, I don't think that he's going anywhere. I don't think there's – the Giants have bigger problems than to pick up just a good, a, a very good player. They, it's not just a good player is what they need. They need a lot more than just that. Mm. They need a coach to begin with, and that's that's where they need to start. And then they also need to fill up some extra spots, filling it up with a fellow that's going to be you know, being paid one point three four mil a year, um, and that's not necessarily going to be doing a whole lot of media for you. Is not the way to go. Mm. I don't think that being a smart move, and and we've spoken about the reasons why maybe we don't do it. Yeah, that's the reason. I think it's more so that there may be some uh, noise in it from from Dusty's perspective, but. He would have to really want to make it work and yeah, look, I, drop some of that I, salary uh, in order to make it happen. You think about the Giants and they're probably going to, you know, they, they might enter into a trade and they've got a lot, a host of really good young midfielders as well that I know that we've spoken about. It'd be great trying to get some of those players over to the Swans like Tim Taranto or even Tom Green. That would just be a dream come true. Um, so, yeah, look, maybe... Maybe yeah, if he does go to the Giants, some of those players head over. I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be very interesting the way it plays out. But mm. um, we'll have to wait and see. But Marn Grook jerseys, mate. We've got uh, we've got a new one. How do you feel about it? Yeah, look, I, I initially looked at it and I've just gone. I think Steve-O mentioned it. Like, is that Melbourne's jersey? It, it, <laughs> the colours are different. They're a bit the the, the blues a bit brighter. Um, it's taken me a week to of looking at it before I realised. Like, you know what? Oh my god, I really, I really want one. It looks pretty cool. So I, I'm picking up one. I, I think it's pretty sweet. Uh, one of the things I love about Mangrook is that, or well, you know, the 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 Sir Nick, Nicholas Round um, is the a didgeridoo playing after the goal celebrations. So that's mm. – I don't understand why that's not a permanent thing. Like I don't yeah. need to necessarily hear whatever song gets played. I don't even know what other song gets played. Oh, as as yeah, I, well. yeah, well, that's a different story. I'm cool. I'm, I'm all for that one. <laughs> or but, hero. Hero for buddy. Hero is good. But when it's the didgeridoo kicks in straight off the bat, bow, that – is sends shivers down my spine. It gets me excited. It makes me feel like I'm really involved. It's just there. So I think they got to keep that forever. Like bugger off those other other songs. Just big didgeridoo sounds. It's some fantastic indigenous things going around. That'd be fucking grand moving forward. Yeah. Um, look, I, I I I quite enjoy that as well, mate. I, I know the, the the chills you're talking about. The the vibe is amazing. Um, I this is a bit of a statement. Um, a conversation without notice. I saw that they, the AFL had put um, a picture of all the VFL, sorry, the all the Victorian-based clubs' jerseys um, and their Indigenous players. There was a bit of a, you know, um, I guess a, a, a photo shoot taken at the MCG. Um, this kind of reminded me of coronavirus when we couldn't get there. Um, when, when I say we, I mean the interstate teams, the, the uh, northern um, South Australian and western teams. Um, and I just I, every time I look at a picture of only the Vic teams, I I feel like I, I haven't been 
picked for you know the the dodgeball <laughs> team and i'm thinking it just it makes me feel a little bit weird how do you feel about that i know that you know our south contingent might not you know think anything of it because they're victorian based and i'd be keen to see what hear what their thoughts are but i i see a picture like that when we're able to move now um yeah maybe it's a bit of a waste of funds but f- in terms of the afl surely it's better optics to have the 18 clubs jerseys if you're going to do a a photo shoot yeah i think logistically it's probably tricky but there's always ways around it you know they could cgi or, or, or put it have a dummy there with the with, with the jersey or, or something but to make you feel a bit better i don't think collingwood was there either uh, really? i'm pretty sure they weren't in that photo shoot they didn't send it to either didn't send the rep or didn't have something available at the time so uh, yeah but to your point Totally. I, it's not just this week. It's it's other times we see it where we it's missing the Sydney representative or the Sydney and outside Melbourne representatives. But logistically, it must be just a nightmare. So I don't know. Just you know what? Good. We stay out of that bubble. We attract players like uh, Franklin and uh, Dusty Martin. Uh, good on you guys. Keep doing what you do. No problem. Well, uh, mate, I'm I'm recording this from Perth tonight, as you know. I'm I'm yeah. over here for work and. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, it's pretty easy to hop on a plane these days. I'm, although Perth's, Perth's a different story. There's a, a few um, uh, restrictions that you got to do if you're going to go to sites and stuff. But, um, yeah, look, I, I don't know. I just see, I just saw that and thought it just took me back to coronavirus and the fact that I, I'm able to move around now, or not, not just me, that, but like pretty much the rest of Australia and even internationally soon. I know there's going to be some visitors for work coming out and so i just thought it was a bit of a cop out that we couldn't get one of our you know belly on a plane to the mcg it'd take half a day you know mm. and and you know if they're going to sink 20 million dollars a year keeping the giants afloat then you know i think the clubs or the afl could could have um you know what what is it eight eight other players present or i don't know what collingwood was doing but um yeah i don't know I don't know. It's, it's all good. It's all good. Um, it's a great thing. I'll probably buy uh, the jersey as well, mate, but I was like you. It was probably that the, the tone of blue because you recall you go back, Adam Goods' mum designed that one before the black swan. It was a good one, sort of like that light, lighter blue, sky blue. Um, I got one of those. I thought that was was really good at the time. So I guess that that brighter blue or darker blue um, sort of took me by surprise a little bit. But, yeah, Look, let's face it, mate. I'm I'm not not going to buy the the chance. If there's merch to be bought, I'm I'm doing it. So, <laughs> mate, we've got a public service announcement. We do. Um, yes. Shall I shall I read my um, carefully worded statement? Read it, and I'll, I'll give um, a, a two worded statement thereafter. Okay. Public service announcement: the pub closest to the stadiums, SCG and SFS, uh, namely the Olympic is under new management and according to the publican slash owner they don't allow any kind of singing in their venue at all Uh, that includes sports songs or popular songs like you might hear on the radio Uh, so if you're like us uh, in the uh, in the rabble and like to enjoy singing or enjoy singing uh, the song more than once or twice after a win i suggest you head up to paddington where there's a few other establishments that will let you in and and sing the song. They're more realistic and embracing of the sporting locals. So that's my thoughts there, mate. Uh, so to give everyone a bit of context very, very quickly, 
we were at the bar after the game, obviously in a fantastic mood. We started singing the team song and we got shut down by the, the main manager, uh, him suggesting that te any team songs are not allowed to be sung, which is hilarious considering that they are literally across the road from the SFS and the SCG. So leave it there. Don't go to that damn pub. Go up to Paddington. There's better places and sing yourselves ragged. <laughs> Oh, mate. Okay, we're going to um, – so a uh, few injury updates. Uh, Fox should be in the mix somewhere. I think Cunners is not too far away. Um, Sheldrick is three weeks after his knee arthroscopy. I think Sam Naismith, his right knee has gotten better, but his left knee is bad now. So that's kind of where we're at in terms of injuries. Let's talk about the games ahead just very quickly. Um, so we've gotten through the first nine rounds. The next five – We've got the buy in between. So we've got three games, a buy, our buy, and then two more games. I think this, and I think a lot of other Swans fans are recognizing this, this chunk of games is absolutely going to dictate how season 2022 goes for the Sydney Swans. Let's have a look at it. The uh, Those three games before the buy are against all, they're all against top eight teams. Carlton uh, coming up this week, they're running fourth. Richmond uh, eighth. And Melbourne, as we know, are first. Carlton's uh, away, Richmond's at home, Melbourne is away. Then we've got the bye, and then after that, we've got two more games, one against the middle six team, uh, namely Port, who's running 10th, but let's face it, um, after those three games, they could very easily be in the eight themselves. And then we've got St Kilda that are running sixth. So Port is away, that's going to be hostile, and then the Saints at home. Um, so, look, this is an extremely challenging block. Um, and really, if you think about it, we need to win at least two of these so we can be eight wins, six losses before we enter that final stretch of eight games. Because if we can only, if we only minute, uh, manage those two wins from five, um, then we'll need at least five from the final eight to reach that golden number of 13 wins, which is the number that statistically gets you into finals or has for the past decade or so. So critically important this next run of five um but you know like that that final eight considering we've got six games against bottom 10 teams um you know getting five from eight is not outside the realm of imagination but it's just going to be much harder um the more games we lose in the next five are you are you seeing it the same way mate yeah totally it's the, the next few games the next pack of games is really and we mentioned it before it is an absolute an example of where we genuinely sit in the competition we were touted to be in the top six as we started our first couple of wins top four and as we've kind of played and we've, we've spoken about the teams that we've beaten and where they've ended up we've kind of realized things like maybe we're not in that mix so this is imperative for us to work out are we a top four team we need to win at least two, at least I'd say three of these games in order to hold ourselves high and say this is a top four team we're staring at. Otherwise, we are fighting for finals at that point. Do you feel confident about any of these games? Could you, what, what, what are your tips, mate? How, how, Carlton, Richmond, Melbourne, Port, and St Kilda? Like, I'm thinking maybe Carlton. 
yeah, maybe uh, Richmond. I'll, I'll, well, I'll talk about Carlton in a second in, yeah. in our preview, but um, Richmond's playing well. Melbourne, I don't see anyone beating Melbourne outside of Brisbane this whole year, unless it's an insane mm. upset and they go through some injuries. I don't, I just don't see it. They're just that good. They're, mm. they're streets, streets ahead of everyone else. Port, I think we've got a chance. I think we mark up well against them. Um, mm. So I, I don't think they score as much as they need to, and we're very, very stingent. We really, really are. What do you call stingy in that space? Yeah. And St Kilda, look, they're. I think they're a pretty decent size. So I, I think three of those. I think Carlton, we have a decent chance at. I think Port, we have a decent chance at. I think St Kilda is a bit of a rough one, and I, I still think Richmond um, can be beaten. Um, mm. in the way that we play. So, yeah, I think Melbourne is a definitive loss and I think St Kilda and Richmond are the super danger games. Yep. And I'll just back up your point there. Yeah, we're the third best offence and the sixth best defence at the moment. So um, that's 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 great to know, obviously. But as you say, yeah, I, I'm worried about that Port one. I just think Adelaide Oval, you know. Mm. And, you know, as, as we get closer to them, we'll, we'll look into the uh, the previous um, encounters to see if there's any trends there but yeah it's going to be super super tough and really it's going to tell us you know really what the reality of season 2022 is going to be mm-hmm. um, and hopefully it, you know we come out on top but we'll, we'll know pretty we'll probably know by the by I think um, you know Carlton Rich, Richmond and Melbourne so um, yeah fingers crossed there mate we may as well jump very quickly we're going to do another quick little preview we thought um, it was it had been missing this year so we'll just uh, we'll pop it in and then uh, just for good order's sake so um, you want to kick us off with some of those uh, uh, points there Chris yeah, so we're playing Carlton this week. So this week it's four versus fifth with us coming fifth. Um, Carlton, uh, seven wins, two losses, 114%. Um, of their seven wins, uh, one has been off the top eight, four off the middle middle six, and two of the bottom four. So when you compare that to us, um, they, they've definitely beaten some, you know, some teams in the middle there that are in the mix, and there's quite a few dangerous teams in the middle. So we are coming fifth at six wins and the three losses at 125%. Um, and our two losses have come from... Uh, no, no, that's that's theirs, mate. Yeah, they're... Um, oh, they're two losses. That's theirs, yeah. Ours are obviously... Um, God, here we go. Uh, Bulldogs. Brisbane, Bulldogs. Brisbane and, and Gold Coast. Coast. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think from their last five games, they're four wins, one loss. So they're running pretty well. They're, they're on a three-game win streak. So... They're they're beaten, but you look at the teams they're beaten. You know, North Adelaide and GWS. Mm. And I think you said you watched that game last week, right? Yeah, I was I was watching the game tonight actually against uh, oh, tonight. GWS. It, it was there's all a lot of talk. I, I I noticed that there was like a very convincing win by Carlton. I, I actually didn't see it that way at all. I I didn't see Carlton being successful around the entire ground. They 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 got the job done. Um, but it wasn't as 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 convincing as I thought. They were bombing the ball quite a lot into their fifty and kind of hoping for chances there. If you're going to be bombing the ball into our fifty, the McCartan boys are going to clean you up. That's, yeah. If that's the style you're going to be looking at, these these kids are interceptors. They're great one on one. They they move really well. So I don't think that they've got a huge chance if they play it that way. And and I haven't watched all of their games. I've only watched a couple. I don't recall that from the last game I watched them play. But from this week, for sure, I was like, that. that's not a way to win against Sydney. And the other thing that I, I noticed that 
when GWS fell right behind in that first quarter and, and second quarter kind of pulled it back a bit more, but in that first quarter, they dropped so many marks that were at their chest, just at their faces. GWS could have got a run on so many times and they just failed to do so. So I think that was more of a moment of GWS playing themselves out of the contest early, which then ended up being the difference in the whole game anyway. So I don't see Carlton as being a, as much of a danger game as some people are predicting. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to put my head up now and say, I think we're going to win this game and win it in a good way. And I think we're going to play our style of game and, and win it convincingly. So he's hoping I'm right. Uh, I'll come back and tell you all how, if I get it bad, but if I get it wrong, but I genuinely think that our style of game against Carlton is going to be better. One thing I think we need to be wary of, and, you know, we do have a, a fairly decent defence by the numbers. I know we've started slow, but I think we're gelling now. Um, Carlton, five of their nine games, they've scored 100 points or more. So they can get a real run on. Um, two of the the other two of the remaining four, two have been 90 points or more. And then the last two have been 60 and 70 points. So they know how to score. They're, they're not um, as, uh, I think they're about fifth, uh, best defense uh, offensively, um, but the point is they can they can punish teams um, on the scoreboard, um, you know. So that's something we need to be careful of. Um, obviously, a McKay out for them is massive. And I was I looked at the goal kickers against GWS. They they really spread it around their uh, their mids and mid forwards. Um, Charlie Kerno obviously is that pretty much um, sole tall there. I think uh, Silvani backs him up there, but. Um, yeah, it's going to be, I think for me, mate, it's going to be that midfield, that quite formidable and quite large or tall midfield. If you think about Cripps, our boy Hewitt, oof, Kennedy, um, Chera, um, who else they got running through there? That's pretty, there's, there's some pretty big bodies there. So, you know, I think we're really, without Rowie, um, we're going to have, definitely have to have Joey in there, <clears throat> you know, probably put Heaney in there um, for a bit of defensive pressure as well. Excuse so me. I think um, I think a big part of it is going to be our dual rucks that that we've trialed out against the bombers. Yeah, um, they don't have a strong ruck presence, so that's mm. really where we can uh, get some advantage there. Yeah. So Pitonet is out. Yeah, yeah. PCL, I think. So they got Tom DeKernig, who's a, a young and up, up. He's a young ruck, um, and who have they got backing up? Is that like? Um, oh, don't even know. Didn't even notice. Maybe so, they're just using, yeah, like Silvani or something as a second ruck. But. Yeah, so I, I think that's kind of where some of the space that we can at least uh, counteract the, the size of, of, of their mids is that we do have uh, a pretty solid ruck advantage in that space. So uh, let's see where we go. But I, I think the game is more going to be played in, in – in, well, the centre is going to be an enormous part of it, but our defence, <laughs> I think, is going to be the advantage that probably we're looking for. Uh, we left Sam Walsh out there, mate. Uh, X oh, number geez. one. That, is, that, uh, that, yeah, he, he's uh, all right. <laughs> yeah, just a, a, an up and coming player by the name of Sam Walsh. Um, Zach Williams done his Achilles, I think. So he's he's out. That's a bit sad, obviously. Uh, I quite like him as a player. Um, so you know they got the likes of Stocker. If he's not already in there, he, he can slot in. There's a couple of X ones, as we just um, mentioned a moment ago. We've got our our old mate Nick Newman. Uh, our boy Georgie Hewitt, who I'm still a bit um, sour about losing, and Luke Parks, uh, ex Swans Academy, uh, Academy uh, but he's in and out of the best 22. So, is there anyone, any other ex Swans there? I don't think so. No, but no. maybe. But I, I don't recall. That's about they're the it. ones that really, they're the ones that really shine. I, I, I'd say. 
Yeah. So, okay, you you're a bit more confident than I am. I'm honestly never confident when I when I go to pick the tip for the Swans. But look, I think traditionally we play um, fairly well at at Marvel. <clears throat> I'm not quite sure of our um, previous encounters. I'll just have to have a quick look there because I'm, I'm going to have to rely on some stats here. But um, the, the, part of the part of the problem, that part of my concern, is playing down at Marvel. I, I don't know how our record is, but just how badly we played against the dogs there, and I, I don't think it's got anything to do with the ground. I think that was just a hangover for what happened uh, against Geelong. And his uh, buddy Stausen. I think there was just uh, a lot of emotion was left uh, and just needed to be rebuilt again. So I don't think that's necessarily the stadium. <laughs> so uh, look, Carlton's a grand team, obviously, they're coming fourth, um, one spot above us, uh, one extra win. But the Styles of game is going to be fascinating. It's going to be a fascinating, fantastic game. So mm. whoever's up and about in Sydney uh, will be heading, or I'll be heading over to the Alex, um, who's had a bit of a refurb there. Uh, that just to be a famous Swans venue. So I'm heading mm. over there to see whether they've kept their word and going to continue doing exactly that. So yeah, have a look. If anyone's around, let, let us know. Uh, we'll. Yeah, have a couple of beers and, and and hopefully cheer the Swans into a, a nice victory. Awesome, mate. I've got them up here. We are three from the past five encounters. So we are three wins. They are two wins. Yeah, it's so, about equal then. Um, yeah. We won. It's um, the year before that, Carlton got us by five. They were both at the SCG. And then the year before that, I think we've had three games at the SCG. That, that seems wrong, doesn't it? Yep, SCG. Oh, Metricon, that's right. In that coronavirus year, we played them oh, up right. at Metricon, yeah. so that's a bit of an outlier. Um, the last game at Marvel was in round three of 2019, and we won by 19 points. Um, and then the year before that, it's going back too far. Anyway, yeah. it's going yeah, to be there, close. There were a different team back then as well, so yeah, that, yeah. the stats kind of fall out, fall, fall out of themselves at that point. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of our players have been on the list for five years. It's just whether they've been in the team or not. But if you look at Carlton, like Voss, they've got a new coach. Um, they're reinvigorated. Ligon Street's up and about. So, yeah, it's going to be tricky. But um, hopefully we can get the job done, mate, because we really need this one to kick us off for that chunk of five that we're talking about, a block of five games that are mm -hmm. critically important for us. Mate, we better wrap it up. We've been chatting for ages. <laughs> Get it done. There we go. All right. Well, if you've got nothing else, um, that brings us to the end of the episode. So on behalf of the bevy, I'd like to say thank you to everyone for listening in. Um, tune in again uh, on our socials for the videos that we, we, we put up and um, team announcements and preview posts. Um, if and when we get around to it. Um, otherwise, make sure to keep following us on Instagram and Facebook at A Bevy of Bloods for other updates and announcements. Until then, up the bloods and can you, can you, Swanee? Swanee?